All right, welcome to another episode of Out the Rabbit Hole here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We're also streaming at KUCI.org. I'm Robert Larson. It's 4.04 on your Friday afternoon, October 6th, 2006. Are strictly mundane explanations adequate in understanding the pathology of the George W. Bush regime? Are the weirdly primal, curiously dark, and uncalculatedly symbolic actions of this lawless presidency evidence of a message from the collective unconscious to spur us into evolving our awareness? Fascinating answers to those questions are in Paul Levy's powerfully provocative book, The Madness of George W. Bush, A Reflection on Our Collective Psychosis. Mr. Levy is our special guest today as we take a Jungian lens and look at malignant egophrenia, shadow projection, and how we can all take responsibility for healing a sickness that afflicts us all. Before we get started with him, got a couple reminders for you. Uh, first, uh, the opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of the KUCI staff or management or the UC Board of Regents. And if you want to give me some feedback on the show, which I always appreciate, you can email me at rglarson at KUCI.org. You can also hit me up on MySpace. That's MySpace.com backslash out the rabbit hole. Paul Levy, we got you online. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm very happy to be here. Really, thank you. I, I've been uh, quite enjoying the book. It's just, it really is a sort of mind bender, really makes you uh, have to look at things and think about them and reevaluate and. Uh, but ultimately uh, ends with a positive message. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, well, it's actually saying that there, there's, um, there's an illness that actually exists in the, in the collective unconscious of all of our species that pervades the whole field of consciousness that, that George W. Bush is embodying, and, but inherent, encoded in what I call the psycho-spiritual disease of the soul that Bush is, is incarnating, is an actual um, blessing, potentially, depending on if we recognize what's being revealed, and that's what my book is about. Yeah, I, 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 it's, I, there's so much to get into here, and I want mm-hmm. to say kind of my thoughts that, that, that attracted me to your book, and as I sort of mentioned at the beginning of the show, I've always thought, you know, since the Bush regime came into power, that there was something truly peculiar, sort of weirdly primal, uh, dark, and, and kind of unconsciously symbolic about much of their actions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having a back a little bit of a background in Jungian thought, the notions of, of shadow projection and mm-hmm. the collective unconscious dreaming a strange monster into existence mm-hmm. started entering my mind. So you've really sort of taken that and run with it and right, totally. re- really able to articulate it as an explanation for the times we live in. So Mm-hmm. How how did you? This is sort of going to, I'm sure, be a long answer. But how did you come to develop th- this view of, of our? Well, current? yeah, that's a good question. And I mean, when Bush first became president, I, I was clearly, I it was very disturbing to me. I, I was um, a spiritual practitioner, and I wasn't interested in politics very much. But there was something about Bush that just so triggered me. Um, that I began contemplating it as a dream, as a dreaming process. Like, what is this reflecting back to me? And um, so then, you know, then I began to, to actually get in focus what I saw was going on. And my whole book is talking about that there's a deeper process that's actually, that's actually articulating itself not only through Bush, but, but through all of what's happening on, on the world stage. And, but, of course, he's the main character you know, and what I should also say, just to, to really com- give a complete answer to your question, is that what I saw playing out through Bush and you know just on the political, the whole landscape on the on the planet, it was a, through what was playing out in the in the collective macrocosm was actually this reflection of what had played out in my life with my family, because my father had a particular virulent. Um, psychic or mental illness that that literally destroyed my entire family. I have no family left, and the whole field conspired with his illness to actually resist any consciousness that I, I you know, for me, I, I was the one who was actually recognizing what was playing out and continually tried to illuminate it. And I noticed the field, like non-locally, seemed to configure itself and to conspire to resist consciousness. And then I realized, oh my God, the same 
what I call a psychospiritual disease of the soul that had consumed my family was actually destroying, you know, was, was actually now infecting the, the, the um, body politic of the world. And Bush was the portal, just like my father was the portal, that this disease of the soul was coming through. Would you say that when any individual, you or me or anybody else, has a personal uh, crisis of that nature, and, and then they notice that there is a similar situation going on on a macro level, mm-hmm. that there's something that you are somehow being given a message that, okay, especially if you heal the situation in yourself, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you can take those lessons and apply it to the larger world. Right, right. And that's exactly what happened for me because, you know, it was tragic what happened for me with my family. I mean, like I said, I don't have a family. Um, it was, it, it, it almost killed me. It almost drove me totally insane. And yet I was able to extract the gift from it because it's clear now that what was playing out in my personal life in a way was this initiation that taught me to see, to have the vision to see what I describe in my book as what's playing out uh, in the collective. And so from that point of view, it was a potential, it was, it was a potential blessing or a gift, but it only, it all depended on, on if I had the recognition of what was being shown to me or not. And it was, I mean, it was, it was decades of work of just continually 24 hours a day going inwards and trying to understand what was being shown to me that, that, that really gave me the ability to articulate it like I have in my book. And let, let's talk about this term, uh, malignant egophrenia. Egophrenia, sure, sure. Yeah, it's, it's an elegant term for a, a troubling condition that can function as a, a wake-up call. So how did the, the actual the term develop? Right, well, that was something, you know, when, like, sort of um, to name a demon is a way to get to, to depotentiate it and to take away its power over you. So, you know, when, when, when you actually find the demon, or like, you know, when I say demon, I mean just like a negative energy or like an illness's name, you actually gain power over it. So it was a real ordeal, and I was trying to, you know, figure out what could I call this that seemed to be appropriate. Because what I saw was that with, with George W. Bush, it was exactly as if the pathological aspect of his psyche had co-opted all of the healthy parts of his psyche into its service. And so he could appear to be this, 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 this regular guy. You know, he could appear to be coherent, depending on your point of view. But when you actually contemplated his process, what he was playing out actually deeply, you saw that the pathological core of his psyche had subsumed all of the healthy parts into its service. So then I began to realize, wow, this is just this is in a way like like malignant narcissism, but it's it's a little bit different than malignant narcissism. I have a chapter in my book on on malignant narcissism, but it's a higher dimensional form of malignant narcissism, which I hopefully can get across some of that in the interview. And so then I began to realize, well, it's not like schizophrenia, where all the parts of the psyche are sort of fragmented and disassociated from each other, because there's a certain coherence around the pathological core of the psyche, I actually gave it a name of malignant egophrenia, or for short, ME disease, ME disease, because it's an actual dis disorder or misidentification of who one is. And it has an inner name, which is, you know, ME disease could stand for mad emperor disease, because it's actually what happens when somebody in a position of power actually um, abuses their power simply because they can, which from the ethical, moral point of view is totally indefensible. And it's a particularly dangerous disease um, if the person like President Bush is in a position of power. Yeah, and are these things where uh, he has, seems to have great difficulty ever admitting any fault, and he also is, is, seems to be obsessed with seeing evil in, in others and using terms like axis of evil and the evildoers and being obsessed with Saddam Hussein and his use right. of torture? Are those symptoms of, of the ME? Yeah, 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 t- totally. The thing is, what I'm pointing at, um, in essence, uh, is that the underlying fundamental process that's playing out in the world right now, you know, we can, we can talk about economically, militarily, politically, so, um, socially, but the underlying fundamental process is psychological in nature, which means it, its origin is in the psyche. And if you want to understand this, just contemplate 
President Bush, who's the actual embodiment of this particular disease. And what's at the root of it psychologically is this unwillingness in himself to experience his own darkness, his own shadow, his own guilt and shame and sin. And and so then, because he disassociates from his own shadow, he actually projects it out. And the way to understand how this inner psychological process explicates itself in the world is just by contemplating a dream. When somebody in a dream is actually disassociated from a quality that belongs to themselves, say their own shadow, they will project out that shadow in the dream, and then the dream, which is nothing other than their own psyche, just you know, reflected back to them, will embody the, the split-off part that they've, that they've projected out and will actually, you know, into the dream, will walk you know, somebody who's the you know, perfect, who will supply the perfect evidence of that, of that, that evil that the person, that the dreamer has split off. And so that is that, that process, that psychological process of shadow projecting is the underlying psychological mechanism that, that, that Bush is unwittingly playing out and is getting, because then he splits off his own darkness, then he, he tries to destroy the evil that he sees out there, be it in the terrorists or whoever, but by doing that, he unwittingly becomes possessed by the very evil that he's trying to destroy. So it's an actually, it's an, it's an infinitely self-perpetuating feedback loop, which is exactly what the repetition compulsion of trauma is, and that's a form of madness. And I actually go into that and, and you know, very clearly diagnose, it's indisputable that Bush is indisputably mad to say, oh, he's just an idiot or he's incompetent. That, yeah, you know, it's not like I disagree with that, but I'm saying he has a virulent form of madness, and when you actually, you know, contemplate his process in a certain way, that becomes incredibly clear, but it's a sort of madness that actually exists inside of all of us in potential. Okay, well, that that brings me to where I want to go next in this interview, the, the part, yeah, anyway, this is Out the Rabbit Hole. I'm Robert Larson, speaking today with Paul Levy. We're discussing his book, uh, the Madness of George W. Bush, A Reflection on Our Collective Psychosis. And, Paul, do you want to give out a little bit of other information? You have a website and some other things you want to tell us about before we continue? Sure, sure. You know, if people want to order the book, you know, um, um, all you need to do is go to www.awakeninthedream.com, and right there on my website you can just click to order the book. And, um, yeah, that's really all I want to say. And it's just, you know, I, I, you know, I just feel it's an incredibly important book for people to read. My whole point of view is just that I want, I, I just, I'm so thirsting to get this, this out to people that, that more and more people really understand what I'm, what I'm actually pointing at. Because it's actually incredibly, incredibly helpful. And you, uh, you're in the Portland, Oregon area, mm-hmm. and you, right. uh, you, you run, you do uh, seminars, or you do work with people personally. Or? Yeah, yeah, I'm a healer in private practice, and what I also do, I have these groups that are these cutting edge groups called um, Awakening in the Dream groups, which are basically bringing people together who are having the realization that that this this universe is some sort of a mass shared dream that we're all dreaming up together moment by moment. And so what I do is I bring people who are having this realization together in a way where we can all help each other to stabilize that experience of becoming lucid in the waking dream called life. Okay, and they can find all that out on your website if they're interested. Right, that's all on my website. You know, there's a ton of articles that I've written that have been published and and my book. And, you know, like I said, www.awakeninthedream.com. Okay, and I want to say this this whole notion about mass shared dream. I'm sure some of you listening are thinking that's just a little bit weird, but uh, there are physicists who who believe this sort of thing. There are that we consciousness is still not understood. There's still many aspects of consciousness that are very mysterious, but this is a model that it, it is used and uh uh Carl Jung obviously was was a um uh, help to move us in a direction of using a model like that, correct? That is totally true. And, um, you know, the thing with Jung, his, he over and over again, because in the book I just extensively quote him, um, he over and over again says the greatest danger facing our species is um, a psychic epidemic, is a collective psychosis, is for millions of of us to fall into our unconscious together and to act out our madness together in the form of, like, say, some sort of a war. 
And that's exactly what's happening. And, and just to comment on your, you know, the thing you were saying about this being this mass share dream, to think it's not a mass share dream, from my point of view, is incredibly weird and strange and bizarre <laughs> because every single wisdom tradition in the history of this planet, including quantum physics, has, has, is concluding, is pointing at, is articulating that the nature of our experience is nothing other than a mass share dream. And what I'm pointing at is that when you contemplate it through that lens, something actually um, gets into focus and actually becomes shown to us that actually is in very much helping us towards healing um, our situation. Now, the thing with physics, they keep on one of the main things that they've discovered in, in quantum physics is what's called non-locality, which means that, you know, um, not being bound by the conventional laws of space and time. And so what I'm pointing at is that there's an actual deeper process that's unfolding not only through Bush, but through all of us. We're all playing particular roles. People who are supporting Bush, people who are reacting against Bush, we're all actually playing a particular role that we've gotten unconsciously drafted into. But while we're, as we're unwittingly acting out this deeper process, something is being revealed to us through that process, and, and, and to, to, you know, to tie up what I'm saying, getting back to Jung, he talks about the collective psychosis, and I should mention, and I make this very clear in the book, we as a species, we're in the complete midst of a collective psychosis, and it's such a profound collective psychosis that we don't even realize that there's a psychic epidemic that we've fallen into. It's not even part of our planetary conversation, which is itself an expression of how it's become so normal, our, our, our actual madness. And, but the way it works, to tie this all together, you have Bush, who's the embodiment of what it is to be mad. If people don't recognize that and actually support him and like vote for him, they actually unwittingly become the agents through which what I call this non-local field disease Malignant egophrenia actually replicates itself and propagates itself, and that's what a collective psychosis is, and that's exactly what happened in, in, in Germany in the 30s. People who didn't recognize that Hitler was mad and, and thought, oh, you know, these good German people just thought he was their leader and he was helping them. By them actually supporting Hitler in whatever way they did, they became unwitting agents of the non-local field disease called malignant egophrenia that had possessed Hitler. Right. I, I read uh, some of what Jung had written about that and other uh, essays by other people on the whole phenomenon of uh, this rise of Nazi Germany, such a bizarre uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, happening. And when you look at it that way, this model, it, 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 it has a value. So that's why I'm just trying to put that out there to, to listeners who are thinking that still thinking that it's a weird notion of a you know collective consciousness that, that when you use that model, just try using it that look at the whole world or, or the situation in America now or what it was in Nazi Germany and you take everything that happens and you look at it as if it were a dream and what are all these events doing and these people that are rising to the fore if, the, if you looked at those symbolically how they would give you a message. And, right. Yeah. That's totally true. And the thing I should point out is that when you contemplate dreams, because that's my field, the the language of dreams are symbols, which is very different than than like a sign, which is very which is literal, which has like an actual meaning that you can you know articulate in words. Like one way, do not enter, is an example of a sign, but a symbol points to something beyond itself. And so what I'm pointing at is that. What's playing out is the, what's playing out in our world is a deeper process that is actually articulating itself and speaking symbolically. And when you actually and, and when you study Jung, his entire work could be condensed into saying that he was fighting for actually symbolic awareness. He realized the importance of not viewing what's happening in our world in a literal, linear way but in a symbolic way, that this was some sort of, like, mass share dream that was actually, that is actually an oracle, that's an unfolding revelation, moment by moment, that we're dreaming up, that's speaking to us symbolically, which means that something is getting revealed to us. Now, the inner meaning 
of the word apocalypse, because I point out in my book that clearly, you know, we're in apocalyptic times. These are the end times. Well, the inner meaning, the etymology of the word apocalypse means something hidden being revealed. And I point out that how our situation in the world is going to manifest, whether we destroy ourselves as a species or whether we act, or whether we actually wake up uh, you know, it, it, have this collective global awakening, it all depends upon if enough of us have the recognition of what is being revealed to us. Yeah, and when you, when you say uh, apocalypse and end times, you're, you're not meaning it exactly the same way as uh, fundamentalist Christians do. No, 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 not in the same way, but I'm talking about the archetype. Uh, the, the archetype of the apocalypse is constellated in the collective unconscious of our species. So it's like an archetypal deeper process that's playing out. And what I'm saying is that as we have gotten drafted in, you see, the, the whole one thing that's important to understand, when a deeper process, like what um, if Jung were here, he would say if an archetype got, gets activated, what happens, it actually, how it manifests, how it becomes conscious, it drafts people into its service, which means that people become actually possessed by the deeper process, and they unwittingly act it out without even, they're, you know, they've fallen unconscious, and they're just giving shape and form unwittingly to the archetype. And so what I'm saying is that the archetype of the apocalypse has gotten activated in the collective psyche. It's actually acting itself out in our world through the medium of the outer world. And if take a look at what we're doing. We're, we're, we are destroying ourselves. We're destroying the very biosphere, the life support system of the planet that we depend upon for our very survival. But what I'm pointing at is encoded in that process of, of the, you know, of the apocalypse is its solution that as we're doing that, something is getting revealed to us, because that's what I'm pointing at when I say the meaning of the word apocalypse is something hidden being revealed. And what's getting revealed is very interesting, because it's actually showing us, first off, that we're actually dreaming. It's actually showing us that we're actually complicit and responsible for what's happening in our world, that we're not separate from the world, that we don't exist separate from this universe, that we don't exist separate from each other, which means that we're actually complicit in what's happening, and it also is showing us that the evil that we see out there is actually a reflection of the evil inside of us, that if we see, if we concretize George Bush as being evil, then we're guilty of the very thing we're accusing him of, which is shadow projection. Yeah, that was where I was trying to, to kind of head uh, a few questions back. <laughs> yeah, the, this whole thing about where somebody can actually, you know, vote against Bush and work to expose his uh, criminal and unjust actions, yet still have to take some responsibility for creating him, especially is if you are doing, as you just said, looking at him as this personification of evil and therefore never having to see any in yourself. Mm-hmm. That's totally true, because keep in mind, if Bush wasn't around, what I call central casting would just send somebody else to pick up a role. All that Bush is doing is picking up a role that exists. He's a figure that exists deep inside the collective psyche of all of us. Because being a dream, when you contemplate this as a dream, every dream figure is an aspect of, of yourself. You know, so the big mistake that people make is they either solidify Bush as being evil or they react against him with, you know, anger and hatred. And But by doing that, they're actually feeding what I call the um, diabolical polarization in the field. And, and very interestingly, the antonym to the word diabolic, and the word diabolic means that which separates, the antonym to diabolic is symbolic, which means that which brings together. And of course, symbols is the language of dreams. So what I'm pointing at is that there is this, this very virulent psychospiritual disease of the soul that exists deep inside the collective unconscious of all of humanity. It's, it, it's, it's, Revelation in human form is is George Bush. He's the he's so possessed by his unconscious, he's actually acting it out, and it's revealing itself through him. But encoded in in his revelation, in him embodying this pathology, is the actual is the actual healing and the key for its resolution. 
Yeah, that that is is uh, very uh, fascinating, and I'm and the sure thing, the thing I should just say too in that, and what I just take it one step further, what that means is that the healing of it involves an expansion of consciousness. That it involves that because because malignant egophrenia is a disease of consciousness that's actually it's like explicating itself through the outside world. So it's an inner disease of the soul that's expressing itself through the medium of the outside world. The inner and the outer, the boundary has dissolved. And if we recognize that, the recognition of it is the expansion of consciousness. The solution of our current world crisis is through enough of us having the expansion of consciousness, having the recognition of what's being um, you know, revealed to us, and waking up to the dreamlike nature of reality. And when enough of us do that, just similarly as to like when people in a dream become lucid and wake up, when you connect with other people in that dream who are also becoming lucid and waking up, you discover that you can, you can get in phase with each other and actually change the dream you are having. And that's our situation. That's what's available to us right now. That's what's being demanded of us right now. And that's an evolutionary impulse from the universe that we are invited to participate in. Wow, that that's uh, that's uh, that's pretty heavy. It's like a lot of responsibility, but in, in totally, a, yeah, totally. in a very positive way. I I, I am a lucid dreamer. Uh, I, we've talked about it on this show a few times, and mm-hmm. and this whole thing of you can actually in your dreams become aware that you're dreaming, and then at that point, then construct the dream to be whatever you want it to be because you realize that it's your own mind creating it mm-hmm. and so you're taking this leap of which i've heard before that once you become an adept at lucid dreaming you can bring that over into the waking life and do that exact same thing mm-hmm. and draw together the people and the reality that you want to manifest that's totally true and the thing is it's just like when you're you have like cancer cells in a body if enough t-cells come together, you know, and, um, and, and actually connect with each other, they can actually heal, you know, that, that cancer. In the same way, when enough of us become awake to what's actually being revealed to us, we can get in phase with each other, connect with each other, because we, we have the rec- what's been, one of the things that's being revealed, like I'm saying, is that we don't exist separate from each other, that that's an illusion, that we're actually interconnected and interdependent, and we can actually join together, put our collective genius together in a way where we can heal the cancer that's infecting the greater body politic. And this is the greatest um, sort of, you know, um, the nightmare of the powers that be is for more and more of us to actually wake up to that we're not separate and that we can actually put our collective genius together. Let's uh, maybe go into some specifics here. I, mm-hmm. We're talking about that lucid dreaming thing. And do, are are there specific techniques as far as if say somebody knows how to lucid dream, but then to actually be able to take that where they can manifest their reality in their dreams and then do that in waking life? Is are there specific sure, sure, techniques? Sure. Well, the thing is, one of the ways to induce lucid dreaming is to go about your actual daily life, your waking life, and just you know, really view it as if you're in a dream, which means that you're having the recognition, just like you are in a dream where you would wake up in the night dream, in your waking life, you moment by moment have the recognition that everything you're seeing is just your own energy, it's your own reflection, that every every person you're seeing is your own dream character, it's an embodied reflection of yourself. So doing that and stabilizing that practice in your waking life will induce lucid dreams when you actually are able to have lucid dreams, you discover, oh, the nature of my waking life is very dreamlike too. So you're able to bring that realization back into your waking life. And what I'm pointing at is that as more and more of us in this waking dream called life actually wake up and have the realization that we are having a mass share dream and that, for example, that George Bush being a dream character, he's the embodied reflection of the part of us that's ignorant, that's mad, that's sick, that's fearful, just on and on, then all of a sudden out of that springs compassion, okay? But compassion isn't necessarily just all smiley-faced and, you know, oh, I love you, blah, blah, blah. Compassion, yeah, it's, it's, it has to do with love, but it also can be really fierce. In Buddhism, they talk about idiot compassion. And I'm not talking about having idiot compassion for Bush. I'm saying, no, he's, he's actually embodying what it is to be criminally insane, and to have genuine compassion means to to have like to be fierce potentially 
quickly if the situation calls for it, and to set a boundary and to say no. And like I point out in my book, like, you know, I hope one day Bush becomes a functioning member of society. He certainly is anything but that right now. But he's in a very dangerous position because because of, of being the president, he's in a position to create the very apocalypse that he and the followers of, of the fund, all the fundamentalists, they actually think is being prophesized, but they don't recognize the role that they're playing in actually creating the very thing that they're thinking, oh, they're just you know, kind of helping to manifest biblical prophecy. You see, the point is this, is that what Bush is doing and the people around him who are complicit are, it's, it's a form of collective madness. It's because of that that the subtitle of my book mentions collective psychosis, and that it's a form of collective madness in the sense that it can, it can destroy our species. It can take down our planet. And so it's, it's really, really important. I mean, I can't say this enough for people out there, for all of us, for each one of us, to wake up to what's actually being revealed to us. And it's a situation that has to happen individual by individual. It's like any one person waking up and having the recognition of what's actually happening and getting in focus and seeing the actual evil that's playing out and recognizing that's a reflection of the evil in us. It's very much like when you dissolve sugar in a glass of water, it'll just dissolve, you just dissolve the grains of sugar and it dissolves into the water, and then you reach a certain point where the, um, the saturation point, you add one more grain of sugar, and a crystal will crystallize out of the water. So any moment, any one person actually having the realization of what's being revealed could be that grain of sugar that crystallizes into, into the crystal that precipitates a global awakening in the entire collective unconscious. Yeah, and I, I would like to recommend a couple of things here now, in addition to your book, uh, the, um, the film Waking Life, which gets totally. into this whole notion of mm-hmm. lucid dreaming and crossing that over into waking reality and creating your own reality. Also would recommend Fred Allen Wolf's uh, physicist, Fred Allen Wolf's book, The Dreaming Universe, which gets into a lot of this as well. Mm-hmm. But again, want to mention your book. Uh, my guest today, Paul Levy, and uh, that book is uh, The Madness of George W. Bush, A Reflection on Our Collective psychosis and uh, your website again paul website www.awakenindthedream.com okay uh so could could i actually just point out something else that i think is really important to understand and that is from when you contemplate what's happening in the world from the point of view of it being a dream one of the things that you very quickly see it's as if the dark the shadow evil what we call evil is actually coming out from hiding in the corners or underground and is overtly manifesting it's like you know the people in power aren't even trying to hide it it's just like so obvious for anybody who has their eyes open but the point is so it's very easy to get you know pessimistic and despairing because oh my god things seem so bad but from the dreaming point of view that itself is an expression that that dark energy, that evil energy, is available for being assimilated in a way that it never was before. Because the way it works, when you have an energy, you know, Jung calls it a daimonic energy. And daimonic is an energy that can literally possess the ego or possess, um, actually, um, possess an actual group or a nation or a planet, and then it will act itself out through those who are taken over. But the point is, when a daimonic energy is at the point of potentially being able to be integrated, it actually, to quote Jung, forces the subject into its own form, i.e. it appears physically, or to say it in um, the way I do in my book, it gets dreamed up. And so the fact that the darkness, the evil, is getting dreamed up is actually objectified in our world is an expression that the light is is so strong and is right nearby because when you have a dark shadow that itself is an expression of the intensity of the light so the point is is that you know something is actually available for integration and like just going back to physics for a second quantum physics talks about the nature of light is light is it a particle or is it a wave well it it, it can be either one or the other depending on how we observe it so the point is, this malignant egophrenia, is it, you know, this incredible evil that's destroying our planet, or is it going to potentially awaken our species into, you know, and, and be part of this evolutionary impulse, you know, from the universe where we actually collectively wake up? 
similar with is light a wave or a particle, it all depends how we dream it. It all depends how we observe it. It all depends if we recognize what is being revealed. Yes, and so you're... The cliche, it's it's often darkest before the dawn is... Exactly, is that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, the, the you know, there have been plenty of terrible periods in history and horrible tyrants running rampant, and mm-hmm. so I, I'm getting then from you that the, the reason that this time and this regime, what is different about this is is because of what you just said, that there's more of an opportunity for evolution now because it's so... Uh, well, yeah. I mean, but I, 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 wait, I got to say, because, you know, we had we mentioned Nazi Germany and there's been other yeah. horrible, the Inquisition and things. Right, were so horrible. right, right. Those sure, are... sure. Well, the thing I want to point out, you know, is that to understand, to actually see that uh, there is a deeper process. Young would call it an archetypal process that's recreating itself fractal like all throughout history you know, in different iterations, whether it be, you know, in Nazi Germany or now with Bush in the United States. And it's the same deeper underlying process just in, in you know, with, a, with a, it's sort of this, this variation on a theme. But the point is, is that, you know, um, if we just kind of only see the superficial aspect and see and just get into the despair and feel, you know, in a way disempowered, then and become pessimistic, then we're actually feeding the very evil, you know. But the point is, is that being, if you want, if anyone wants to be of real help, to be of real benefit, is to actually, you know, not only have the recognition that something's being shown to us, but actually see the deeper process, see how the field is like non-locally, like conspiring to actually articulate itself, and the recognition of that deeper process is the very thing that, that expands one's consciousness and makes one then, by having that symbolic awareness, by becoming awake in the dream, there are a lot of different ways of saying it, then we're actually able to be an agent who is actually able to, not only in a local way with our whoever we're talking to, but non-locally, anybody having the realization of, of, of this being a dream and what's being shown to us, non-locally affects the whole, the whole world. And when more and more of us connect, it's like we create a certain, almost like this, this web of consciousness. In the same way, when you bake bread, if there has to be a certain amount of yeast in the dough for the bread to leaven. And it's the same thing. There has to be the hundredth monkey phenomena type of thing, you know? Right. There has to be sufficient number of us, whatever that number is, a certain tipping point or critical mass, who have the recognition, not only of what's being revealed to us, but also understand the spell that's being cast because you know it's unbelievable people who support bush even with overwhelming evidence that shows that he's criminal and that he's mad and all that they just will not be able to see it it's as if they've become entranced by something and i go into how to break that spell of bush in my book you know because he's so unconsciously possessed by something he's become unwittingly and unconsciously taken over by the archetype to such a degree that he has this charisma or this almost magnetic effect on people's unconscious as a result of he himself being so convinced of his own lies. And if you're, if you're not in touch with yourself, you easily then become entranced by Bush. So the thing I'm saying, you know, to be of genuine benefit, we actually have to expand our consciousness and to actually see. It's like, just like sort of having an expanded point of view and to see this deeper process as it plays itself out, and then we're actually like not caught by it. All of this uh, amazing thought can be found in uh, Paul Levy's book, The Madness of George W. Bush, A Reflection on Our Collective Psychosis. He's uh, uh, my guest today here on Out the Rabbit Hole. I'm Robert Larson. It's KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We're also on the web at KUCI.org. Uh, Paul, I thought it was uh, <laughs> it was really interesting the way you talked about in the book of how uh, central casting, uh, you know, mm-hmm. from the collective unconscious, uh, sort of just like coughed up uh, George W. Bush. It could have been anybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he's, uh, you know, in a sense then being sacrificed so that we can evolve almost like a, a bodhisattva, I think you totally. said that in, in the, the book. book I, exactly. <laughs> in the book, I even, I even say at one point, you know, from one point of view, from this point of view, we could think of him as being a high-level bodhisattva because somebody had to play this role to wake us up. Because the point is, if this is a mass-share dream 
from that point of view, which is the point of view of Buddha and Christ and any and, and quantum physics, you know, from this point of view that this universe is a mass shared dream, all of us, all 6.4 billion of us have dreamed up George Bush into materialization to incarnate and embody and play out this particular pathological role because this figure of George W. Bush is a figure that exists deep inside of all of us. So you see, the whole point is is that if we um, think of Bush as being separate from us, then we're actually still feeding into the darkness and into the pathology that's playing out on our planet. But once we actually have the recognition that he's not separate from us, that he's an embodied reflection of that sick, you know, ignorant, mad, pathological, fearful part of us, then we've become lucid. And, and all I'm saying, it's very simple. When enough of us become lucid in the dream, we can actually hook up with each other and change the dream we're having. And the way to understand that is for people who are, who are lucid dreamers, when you are in a night dream and you become lucid, and then you connect with other dream characters who are also becoming lucid, and you contemplate what, you're, what you've discovered, that is that you're in a dream and that the dreamscape is just nothing other than the actual externalization of your own consciousness, what you discover you can do is, oh, we can put our, put our dreaming, what I call our sacred power of dreaming. I, I talk about this in the book. It's the in- inherent power that we all have that moment by moment is creating this universe up into materialization together. But we're all doing it, or, or not all of us, many of us are doing it unconsciously, that we have this sacred power of dreaming, but we're not fully conscious of it, so then we dream up the universe in a way that imprisons us. But when more and more of us get in phase with that intrinsic power, that sacred power of dreaming, then we're able to actually change the dream we're having, and the dream we're having is this universe. And this is exactly what Christ himself was pointing at when he said, ye are gods, and scripture cannot be broken. And, you know, he's actually pointing at, in what's called the plenum, the atemporal fullness of the collective unconscious, we already have woken up. We already have accomplished this realization. And linear time, what's playing out as history, in a, in a sense, is the medium through which this realization is becoming accomplished, you know. Yeah, yeah, it, uh, I, great stuff. I, I want to say, you know, when we talked about uh, this thing of actually being able to look at, at, at George W. Bush as a bodhisattva, and and that, I mean, if you could do that, and and, and you're so opposed to his policies, I mean, that that that's compassion. I, I think right, that, and, that's, that, and that doesn't mean that you don't take every action to remove him from power, because you know, he, like I said, he's in an incredibly dangerous position. I mean, he's destroying, you know, the biosphere, not only for us, but for future generations. Yeah, well, that, that's what I wanted to make clear. So you're not saying by having compassion for him that he, we don't want to make him answer for his crimes. Oh, not at all. Not yeah. The fact, I mean, he is, he is totally guilty and responsible and accountable for his crimes. In no way am I saying this takes him off from being accountable or responsible. But I'm, I'm just saying we need to have compassion, not idiot compassion, but we need to have genuine compassion, which is sometimes fierce and has the recognition. It's sort of like um, the way I say it in my book is like we find ourselves in a car and it's being driven by a drunk adolescent who's fallen asleep at the wheel and he's driving us off a cliff. When we recognize that situation, do we do something or do we just sit there and just have compassion for him? Of course we do something. Mm-hmm. It's very, very simple, and that's our situation. Right, right. So you, so you take whatever action needs to be taken then and there to fix the situation. The car doesn't go off the road, but then totally. later it's like, okay, this guy needs treatment. You know, Totally, absolutely. He's right. very, very sick. I mean, Bush is like when you recognize the enormity of, of, you know, of his pathology and his, of how perverse his sickness is, and, you know, one of the big mistakes that a lot of people make, I mean, because I get a lot of emails every day, and people sometimes say to me stuff like, oh, you know, Bush isn't mad, he's just an idiot, or he's just incompetent, or, you know, he's a puppet. And I don't disagree with any of that stuff, except for the fact, oh, but if you don't think he's mad, then you're not actually seeing, you know, because I'm actually pointing out with malignophrenia, at a certain point, you either see what I'm pointing at, and I'm continually pointing at it in the book, the way that the logic is upside down, that, you know, the person with malignant egophrenia, they're always accusing the other person of, of being the problem, and of, they're always accusing the other of doing the very thing that they themselves are doing. 
Right. And, they, and they become, like I was saying, they become possessed by the very evil that they projected outside of themselves and are trying to destroy. You know, when I make the point, I go, fighting the devil is radically different than loving God. You know, because by fighting the devil, you become the devil. So here, Bush is so, you know, when I say the underlying psychological dynamic, underlying malignant egophrenia is shadow projection, Bush is so disassociated from his own shadow, he's actually, like, projected it out there, sees it out there, tries to destroy it, and is then actually acting out and becoming possessed by the very evil he's trying to destroy. And if that's not madness, I don't know what is. Have you ever thought about the... the I don't, th- I don't think I saw this in your book, but have you ever thought about the parallel of Moses getting a message from a burning bush and we having a bush burning with madness as our president? That's in- no, I haven't said that's interesting, just to contemplate that, for sure. So, so yeah, it's like uh, the collective unconscious maybe liking that sort of symbol to communicate a message to us. And uh, it seems to me that the collective unconscious sometimes has a sense of humor. Yeah, no, it does. It, 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 you know, and it's important to keep our sense of humor because one of the things, if people fall into a sense of pessimism and despair, like I've been saying, then you're actually feeding into you know the the pathology that pervades the field. You know, and the thing is, I just want to make sure this this notion of the field. You see, I point out that when we, if we just contemplate Bush as a separate self, you know, who exists separate from us, and we can, oh, we can diagnose him. Oh, he's a malignant narcissist, he, you know, give them all a sociopath. And it's not that any of those are not true, but that they're, 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 but, but they're just limited because we're still viewing Bush as a separate self, and he actually does not exist separate from the rest of the field. And the field is a physics terms. It's like an interconnected, the underlying continuum that actually connects all of us. And it's, I'm talking about the field of, of consciousness, that actually connects all of us. And I'm pointing out that under, in the underlying field, there's an actual disease of consciousness itself. There's a psycho-spiritual disease of the soul that's pervading the entire field, and it's actually inside all of us. It's inside our psyche. And yet, encoded in that disease that pervades the field is its own medicine, is the key for its resolution. And this is the way to understand this, the same way when you have trauma. And what happens with trauma? You repeat the trauma. You have a compulsion to, to, you know, to actually create the trauma again and again as your way of trying to heal yourself. You're actually creating the very thing you're trying to heal from, and it's an endless feedback loop that is nothing other than madness. But in the act of doing that, encoded in the act of the repetition compulsion, is the key for its resolution. And I'm pointing out the same thing, that in this actual, you know, this illness, this disease, malignogophrenia, encoded in this virulent pathogen is actually the key for its own healing and resolution. And, but the agency through which the healing happens is our consciousness. Yeah, I, 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 and I... I really like that that you your book is so positive and that it's telling us a, a way to 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 solve this. And I think what really attracted me to uh, to to your book is that it, it it does three things. And one is that it it comes up with a model that tries to encompass everything, not not leave anything out. And at the same time, it, it, it well, it also what attracts me to it is that it it's really makes you think in in in, the, in a way that will really expand your your awareness and then as i said ultimately offers a solution mm-hmm. so so i that, i want to put that out there for people again the book is the madness of george w bush a reflection of our collective psychosis uh, paul levy so we're uh, getting towards the end of the show here paul so if you want to um you know final comment sort of wrap it sure, up sure totally totally because like in the final chapter of the book it's actually called called art happening called global awakening and i point out that our situation is very much like we're these multidimensional creative artists and dreamers whose canvas is this universe that we're moment by moment dreaming up our universe together. And when enough of us have that realization, we can actually hook up with each other, you know, having the realization that we're interconnected, interdependent, not separate. And like I was saying earlier, put our collective genius together and actually change the dream we're having. And that's the whole teleology or the point of what's actually playing out in our world. And so, um, and, and that's actually really what's, what's being 
you know, it's what's being offered to us, it's what's being made available to us, and it's what's being demanded of us to actually wake up and actually create what I call the art happening called Global Awakening. And and finally, when people say, well, what is that going to look like? I have no idea. How do we imagine it's going to look like, you know? Because we all have a particular role to play, but it involves us accessing our, our creative genius in whatever, you know, it's not like everybody's going to write a book on the madness of Bush. That was just my way of trying to actually play my role. And, um, but that's really what's being offered to us. Yeah, and you said, how can we imagine it? Well, that's just the thing. Um, we need to imagine it. Just imagine, imagine the most wonderful, uh, playful, uh, fun thing you can, uh, a world full of art. Right, right. And the thing is this, is that I also point at that it's really important for us to integrate, like I talk about in one chapter, spiritually informed political activism, that people who are just political activists and who are reacting with Bush, like he's separate and with anger, they're feeding the diabolical polarization, they're not helping ultimately at all. People who are just spiritual, who are just meditating, thinking, oh, if I work on myself, the whole world will change. I point out they're involved just in their own narcissism because we're at the point in history where our inner process is manifesting as the outer world. That, that boundary between the inner and the outer has dissolved, just like Christ says in the Gnostic Gospels. You enter the kingdom when you recognize the inner is the outer, and that means that we have a responsibility and we're being asked to engage fully and participate in what's happening and to synthesize being a spiritual person and a political person where they actually synergistically cross-pollinate each other. And that's, and that's to really be an agent of change, what I call a spiritually informed political activist. Okay, Paul, we've got to wrap up. Give me uh, your web address again one more time. Okay, it's www.awakenindhedream.com. And if people want to email me, you can send an email to paul at awakenindhedream.com. And, um, yeah, I'd be happy to hear from people. Thanks so much for being with us today, Paul Levy. Oh, it's totally my pleasure. I just really appreciate it. Thank you very much. You're welcome. All right, that's Paul Levy. Uh, His book is The Madness of George W. Bush, A Reflection on Our Collective Psychosis. A a fascinating read. Uh, So we got to sort of close out things here. Uh, This is Out the Rabbit Hole, KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. We're also streaming at KUCI.org. I'm Robert Larson, and you can contact me, give me feedback on what's going on on the show, or suggest some things, or just piece of your mind. R.G. Larson at KUCI.org. R-G-L-A-R-S-O-N at KUCI.org. You can also uh, contact me on MySpace. Uh, that's MySpace.com backslash out the rabbit hole. Uh, For my next week's show, I'm still working out the details of what I'm going to do then, but in two weeks, I will be interviewing A.C. Thompson. He is one of the authors of a new book called Torture Taxi on the Trail of the CIA's Rendition Flights. More information that you need to know about. So coming up here in just a couple minutes, uh, we have a a new show, or a fairly new show, The Aggressive Moderate with uh, William, and he's... uh, What's he got going today? He's going to be talking to Tim Steed, vice chair of the California Young Democrats, to discuss the current political climate and, uh, you know, looking at uh, what's possibly going to happen in the upcoming elections. It's about a month away. So stay tuned for that. Should be good stuff. And uh, I'll be with you uh, next week here on Out the Rabbit Hole. So this is Robert Larson uh, saying uh, till then on KUCI in Irvine, going to leave you with some music from uh, Rocky Erickson, this is the creature with the atom brain.